Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Danny Welniak, KCTV5 lead sports anchor and Chiefs Radio Network uh, sideline reporter set to join us. We'll talk plenty of Chiefs and more coming up here in uh, just a few minutes from right now with uh, Danny Welniak. So uh, don't miss out on that here on today's show. We've had a big couple weeks, and uh, we're continuing the momentum into today's show. And pleased to welcome in uh, Thomas Bridges at this time. Now, Tom, uh, Halloween in the books. We are on to uh, Thanksgiving now. Uh, what what what'd you end up going as uh, for Halloween on uh, on Wednesday night? You know what? I did go as anything, to be honest. Uh, usually I do, but this year it just kind of fizzled out. Um, so I didn't really – I didn't go as anything, so – no shame in my game. I, I did What'd not go at? as anything either, um, but I did okay. see that O.J. Simpson went as a uh, gynecologist. Uh, that would be, you want to talk about a terrifying costume. Like, first off, who's partying with O.J. Simpson, for one, um, at this day and age? And two, uh, like, no one needs to be, like, near that. Like, that's a scary thought of, O.J. Simpson being that type of doctor, or, or really any type of doctor for that matter, but especially that type, like, that's the last guy that should be that. I don't know that would, which would be scarier, uh, O.J. as a gynecologist or Bill Cosby as an anesthesiologist. Oh, th- those would be awful, both. <laughs> that's that's up for debate. That's a legit question. Uh, I mean, considering that O.J. did kill two people allegedly i still have to throw that out there uh just so we don't get sued um i i would still say that oj's scarier because of that i mean yes bill cosby had did some horrible things but uh i mean oj simpson still did murder people allegedly uh in that regard yeah no that's uh you know cosby did some terrible things too but I don't know if it gets worse than killing people and uh, allegedly. So maybe so. That's that's still a tough one. Yeah. Um I I did notice uh from the people I was around with you know Halloween and such um I saw a pretty decent size amount of candy bars. Um there were some folks that got the full-size candy bars. If you find the house with the full-size candy bars, you immediately come like a neighborhood legend. Like, word gets out about that if you got the full-size candy bars going around. And that's not cheap either. No, not at all. And we used to hit up the houses that would have the, the full-size ones. I don't, in my experience, though, I feel like they went really quickly because everyone kind of knew the houses. Uh, and then their light was shut off. So you always wanted to go to those houses that you knew for sure. We're going to give you the full-size ones and then kind of move on from there. It's been a while since I've had to play any trick-or-treating strategy. but uh, Word gets I, around Barlesville, too. Miss- oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, with all the trunk-or-treating and different things like that going on, there's still a few gyms out there that still give them away, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm positive about that. Um, I, I know that, like, t- dentists are doing, like, uh, candy buybacks and such. Uh, to uh, you giving your money straight up to get you not to eat that uh, that candy. Uh, but Thanksgiving around the corner now, getting these holidays out of the way. I I can't believe it. Like Christmas is gonna be here before we know it. And like I love Christmas, but at the same time, Tom, like that kind of 
that kind of pisses me off that Christmas is almost here because that means all that comes with Christmas is just around the corner. Like it's it's a love. I have a love hate relationship when it comes to Christmas, Tom. Yeah, sometimes I do, and it just depends, really. I like this time of year. October, November, December are my three favorite months. Uh, one being because November is my birthday. This is my last weekend, Jones, to be 25. That's true. And I actually took I, I took tomorrow off, so um, got the day off tomorrow. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do yet, um, but last weekend to be 25, so doing that. But also the whole thing. Uh, you said love-hate relationship with Christmas. My thing is, no Christmas music before Thanksgiving, please. That's where I draw the line, where I'm like, okay. That's where you draw the line the same. Christmas trees goes up on Black Friday. Um, or any time after that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of putting the Christmas tree up before, uh, before uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, if you ask Billy, though, Billy's probably already playing Christmas music right now. Um because that's uh, that's his jam is uh, the old Christmas music uh, as far as that goes. But yeah, I mean, the, we have at that point. When when does it end? Are we going to start like going the opposite way of dragging Christmas into uh, into January too? I mean, what, when when is it going to stop? Oh gosh, I don't know. You know, when I was growing up, fifteen, sixteen, I'd worked at Food Pyramid, and they literally play so much Christmas music. And then the day after Christmas, it was back to normal, and I was like, oh. Like, oh my gosh, it's it's not, we wish you a Merry Christmas anymore. It's no Jingle Bell Rock. I was like, okay, we're fine. I didn't I know you worked at Food Pyramid. I did when I was 16 for about eight months, and then that's when I started working at the, the old sketchy gas station. What did you do and at the feared Food Pyramid? I just a cashier. Okay. You, you didn't work with the meat or the uh, No, no, I was never the bakery? that guy. I was never that guy. When I was 15, I worked at United Grocery Store. I don't think you've ever been. Uh, I don't know if you went to United when you were in Bartlesville or not. No, we went to Homeland. Yeah, we went to Homeland. Uh, United, they uh, they sponsor uh, Texas Tech's arena. It's the United Supermarkets Arena. Best name of all the uh, uh, arenas in uh, in college basketball. I mean, who, who cares for Allen Fieldhouse when you got United Supermarkets Arena? You know, I like United a lot, and they're pretty close to my house uh, i used to be uh one of the produce guys back there i used to you know cut up fresh veg and fruit back in the day but those days are long gone um so yeah as long as the christmas music does not start before thanksgiving i know it will i know i'm sure it probably started today uh and it's just a tragedy you know walmart starting christmas in like august you got freaking christmas trees already up for sale and i always wonder like when did you guys jones i feel like your type of family is like the one to take the family out and, and go cut your own real christmas tree am i right well especially when we lived in oregon that was the thing to do because there was all sorts of tree farms over the place um, that's true but i think within the last couple of years my parents ended up buying a fake tree and have been going with that. Yeah, how long? I, I, we've had our fake Christmas tree since I can remember, and we still use it. How many do they really sell to put them up that early? When do you? When's the time to buy a new fake tree? I think the best if, time actually is after Christmas when they go on sale, and you have it ready for the next year. 
Well, that's very true. How many do you, what's the acceptable usage rate for a Christmas tree? Um, like when does it, when do you need a new one after you buy one fake one? Uh, I think that, uh, give it, you know, at least five years and, uh, see if stuff has fallen off of it. You know, if, if, uh, you can't put it together, then I, I would say if you get a tree that lasts five years, heck, even 10 years, then you're sailing, you're doing great. I mean, from what I understand, ours has been going on about twenty-five years strong. Really, that's so impressive. They don't make they don't make things like they used to. I guess maybe that's the maybe that's what I'm missing. Maybe I guess so. new families, new families would need a new Christmas tree. Yeah, I wonder. I've never really thought about the market research behind Christmas trees. I guess. Yeah. New businesses. I guess maybe. In this day and age, where everybody gets offended too. Um, uh, do they have to market them as like holiday trees now? Oh, and that would be terrible. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, can you imagine? And, and what's funny is the people that always get offended during the holiday season about, you know, oh, you know, you're, you're associating that with Christianity and Christmas and all that, you know, uh, usually are ones that celebrate Christmas. I don't, you, I don't hear this from Jewish people celebrating Hanukkah. Usually they're pretty content and don't really care if you tell them Merry Christmas or, uh, that, that's my other deal. That's my other point. Um, the war on Christmas, uh, we won. Uh, I tell people Merry Christmas. I don't care to tell people happy holidays. Um, and I don't think that you're going to offend Jewish people at, uh, you know, that celebrate Hanukkah and stuff if you tell them Merry Christmas. I don't think they care that much at all. Yeah, if someone told me Happy Kwanzaa or Happy Hanukkah or Happy Merry Christmas, I don't really care what they tell me. I don't right. get offended by any of that. I'm just like, you know what, you can do whatever you want. I'll say, I'll say Happy Hanukkah back, and I'm not Jewish, so... Uh, it doesn't bother me. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just what it is. I mean, it doesn't do any good to be upset about any of it. We that should, goes both ways. That's like, we should go around Tom. They have holidays. They can say whatever they want. I just, to, I get the point. To be politically correct, we should go around and tell people, happy Kwanzaa, happy, you know, happy Hanukkah. Just, just say it without them saying it first. Just say to them, well, happy Kwanzaa. You know, I mean, let's in, in order to be all inclusive, like everybody wants us to be. Let's, let's let's just tell them those things and see what happens. I vote for it just to see. Yeah, better than saying happy holidays. Um, you know, let, let's let's just I'll, I'll say Merry Christmas. I'll say Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever. I'll tell everybody everything and just see what happens and go from there. Um, but I'll tell you this: go get that. Well, we're on the hot topic of the holidays. Um, Get that candy today at half price. That's like the steal of the century is all that half price candy. Like you got to get it these next couple of days. Otherwise you're, you're, you're missing out completely, Tom. Yeah, this is the best time, you know, after Christmas, after Thanksgiving, the day after all the major holidays, you got to go buy the candy. Oh, after, after Valentine's day, if you, if you feel heartbroken after Valentine's day, the quickest way to get happy again is go buy up all that half price candy the day after Valentine's Day. Yeah, you know, February 15th, that's the that's the day. You know, you can't beat it. I mean, I don't know why you would just buy anything before anyway. It's all way marked up. Yeah. Um in fact, if if you get a really good relationship partner, uh see if you can compromise with them and say, "Hey, can I get you flowers or something on the 15th instead?" 
and uh, see what happens. Uh, if you that, can, my friends, balling on a budget. That is, um, and I know people have gotten away with it that uh, that they completely understand. Uh, but they've been married for you know over fifteen years, so I guess that's a little bit different. They're, they they've done this a few times. Anyways, um, somehow I, I was not expecting to go on that rant to open up today's show, but here we are. Uh, Mahomes and Mayfield battling out head to head this weekend. It's the matchup. We have all been waiting for, and before any of that, though, Cleveland made some massive changes this week uh, with uh, some of the changes that uh, that went on uh, that were made. John Dorsey really wanted to pull the plug on Hugh Jackson. You know, he didn't want Hugh Jackson, you know, to be head coach from the moment he got there. But uh, you know, owner uh, their owner made him uh, keep, uh, you know that that staff there in place you know Hugh Jackson when he arrived and then uh, their owner wanted to get rid of the offensive coordinator sure enough they both got what they wanted and they were both fired so uh, Baker Mayfield apparently is not too upset by any means that they made these changes Greg Williams is going to take over and now with Greg Williams being the new head coach of the uh, Cleveland Browns Tom I only wonder what kind of bounties are going to be on Patrick Mahomes this weekend you know, you got to wonder that. I was thinking the same thing when you said Greg Williams. Is there a bounty out system still? I mean, what is what what does Cleveland have to lose? Well, and um, you know, if, if there is a bounty system and it's Cleveland involved, like wouldn't the bounty not necessarily even be hurting the quarterback? Like, hey, if you can go get a tackle behind the line of scrimmage, like we'll pay you extra at this point. So, uh, yeah, for sure. That's, I don't mean, what's, uh, you know, I wonder what you receive for the bounty. You know, if they, you know, if they take out maybe a certain player, maybe, maybe Cleveland's new thing, instead of opening the, the Bud Light fridge for wins, maybe if they hurt a key player, they just open up the fridges. They get Bud Light. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you can manage to pull that off, you get, Mahomes or uh, your Kareem Hunt or any of those guys, then uh, yeah, you get some Bud Light. What okay, are... you gotta walk. We gotta wipe this out of there. That better not happen. Oh my goodness, I, I hope not. Um, I and... just want to see Mahomes. You know, as much I don't even know what the Chiefs are favored by yet. I'm sure it's a lot. Uh, I want to see. I want to see the glory days of Mayfield and Mahomes, kind of what they did the last time they met. In college i want to see that type of game i know we won't get that at least from the Brown side I, i'm guessing um hey, but the, the browns defense see, isn't much better than uh texas Tech's. well that's true but their <laughs> offense is not their offense is not can't put that many points up you know kansas city's defense is not great but oh, it's no. not gonna allow it's not gonna allow texas you know prime homes in lubbock score that's not happening oh my gosh wouldn't that be uh wouldn't that be fun yeah, if these guys 56 to 52 or some score like that oh my gosh wouldn't it be so fun if these guys put on a clinic i mean the last time they faced off two years ago it was uh it was a classic game and, and i remember watching that game tom at the time i don't know about you but i was disappointed because i'm like are you kidding me this isn't even that you know what were they doing defensively? Like it, it didn't even look that cool uh, that they were throwing up that many points. Like wow, this is just such bad defense. But now looking back two years later, 
Um, yes, the defenses may have been terrible, but the quarterbacks were so good, too. I mean, looking back, it was a balance of both. Yes, the defenses sucked that night and were pathetic, but the quarterbacks were so good, too, that they were going to get theirs. Yeah, exactly. That was the, you know, we used to think, oh, the defense is so bad. Maybe the quarterbacks were just that good. Uh, and it's kind of showing right now. Well, you know, and I don't think we're going to have, uh, I'll say it again, we're not going to have that type of score. And that's, we can only wish. We can only wish for a game like that. And I don't think that would reflect too well on the Kansas City Chiefs if they let uh, a newly. You know, an interim coach in a, a bad situation in Cleveland put that many points up, you know, no matter how bad their defense is. But, uh, you know, speaking of that, this week is also OU versus Tech. Is that, is that uh, you know, is that planned? Is that, I mean, that seems pretty, pretty odd. On the night before, like right before, you have a 7 o'clock kick, and then, uh, you know, they'll play at noon the next day. So... That is interesting. Twenty four hours. Yeah, isn't that crazy that it's that that it works out that way? Um, and very much, it's a very real possibility that OU could go down and lose that game, and then the Chiefs are going to be favored. They're about an eight and a half point favorite. It could be a sweep for uh, Mahomes and company to get their revenge on uh, OU and Mayfield uh, this weekend. Certainly possible. Uh, you know, Texas Tech with Alan Bowman and company, they can put up points. They've had some big wins already this year. So it's not without the realm of possibility. I'll say this, in regards to Mahomes, Tom, uh, in this matchup with Baker, I think Baker is going to be just as good or at least close to as as as, uh, as Mahomes will be. I think they're both uh, going to be, you know, two of the top, you know, three or four quarterbacks of this young uh, quarterback group, you know, this this new era of young quarterbacks, I think they'll both be up there. But the situations they're in, and you're going to see an example of this on Sunday, is that Mahomes was handed a Ferrari of an offense with the weapons around him. Just a beautiful situation. While Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, was you know handed a Ford Fiesta. Pretty much, and I wouldn't even call it that. That's more like a 2000 Buick Century. So what do you got? I mean, he still got Jarvis Landry, um, you know, Pro Bowl receiver. Uh, they did, you know, take away Josh Gordon from him, which I'm still shaking my head on that. Um, and, and Carlos Hyde's a decent running back too. So there's a couple good players there, but the situations are incomparable. It's it's uh, you know, Mahomes might be statistically better for a couple years um and you know the real test is going to be later on when Mahomes, when Baker finally has some talent around him to see where these quarterbacks can compare cuz for this year and next year for sure maybe even the year after that Mahomes is going to be in a much better situation than uh, what Baker's going to have to deal with so i think these two are the are the future of the league but um it's going to be hard to compare them directly because Mahomes is going to be in a better situation for a while at, at the very least. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, until Cleveland can get their act together, it might be a while. And, uh, before Baker really gets his deserving chance of, you know, players around him. Yeah. They have Landry, but you know, at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's still the Browns. I mean, I, honestly think Baker would trade places with Patrick Mahomes in two seconds. Oh, for sure. Uh, 
<laughs> because I think anybody would. There was Play a, for Andy Reid? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think about any quarterback right now would, you know, think about trading positions with Patrick Mahomes if they could. Um, I could probably, there's, I couldn't even name five quarterbacks that probably wouldn't trade their situation right now. Um, so Mahomes has got it made uh, for sure. And Baker, you know, he's still trying to open that Bud Light fridge again for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think he's going to be able to do it against Kansas City, though. No, I, I, I don't think they will. And we'll have more of that in uh, picks coming up later in the show. We're going to pick that game. Um, but it's going to be uh, fun to watch these two go to head-to-head and uh, see this continue, uh, these two. And what's wild is, Tom, I don't know if you remember this, but when Mahomes visited Texas Tech, his host for his uh, campus visit was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is uh, is a couple of years older than uh, Mahomes in age, um, but of course, you know, Baker ended up, you know, being in college for five years. Mahomes was out of there in three and uh, ended up going to the league first. But that that is wild that these two go back all the way back to, you know, being at Texas Tech and, you know, you know, being on the same team, being on the same team for a very short time. Um, but I mean, these two have history with each other. They're going to be forever connected, uh, throughout their NFL careers. We're, we're forever going to tie Baker Mayfield and, uh, Patrick Mahomes together, uh, and compare the two for a very long time. Oh yeah. This is, this is, you know, this is the first, uh, potentially many meetings, uh, between the two. I wouldn't call it Brady and Manning ish. Yeah. That's just, we're just still in the beginning stages and, the history that the Cleveland Browns have with quarterbacks is, you know, not so hot, but I'm not going to put Baker there just yet as, you know, obviously I would never say he's a failed experiment. Um, but, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. I think for him, uh, you know, obviously Cleveland's not going to the playoffs. Uh, they don't have any real shot. There's no, you know, there's going to be no TiVo time ish things happen for Mayfield this year, but, uh, you know, we'll see this, the new coach. For him, I think it's new beginnings halfway through the season to maybe have more of a fresh start uh, and maybe less limitations if there were any. So uh, I think he's going to show out uh, against Kansas City. Like I said, we can talk about it during picks, but I, it's going to be a good game between the both, but it, talent's going to end up coming through and, and deciding this one. Real quick, I hate to bring this up, but I feel like we kind of have to. Um, no chance Lincoln Lincoln Riley's going to Cleveland, right? I mean, that's not happening. Uh, no, absolutely not. There's, he, I, I would. You want to talk about Ferraris of a situation to walk in? Lincoln Riley was handed one, and he's very aware of how good of a situation he was handed uh, there in Norman. I don't think he's even if he does go to the NFL. I don't think he's going to go for a while because he's going to enjoy the situation he's at. I think Barry Switzer put it best this week. Barry Switzer said that he told Lincoln, he said, just think about this. The There's a lot more people that would want the job you would be leaving compared to the job you're going for. And that's 100% right. I mean, he's if, if he's going to go to the NFL, it's not right now, and it's not for the Cleveland Browns because he is set in an amazing situation there in Norman. Uh, Bob Stoops was brought up as well. I don't think Bob wants to coach at all. Um, I don't think it's anything even really to do with Cleveland. I just don't think that Bob has the itch to coach anymore. 
uh, at, at any level. Uh, you know, his sons are at OU, uh, both as freshmen. Uh, you know, he's living it up in retirement. I saw a great video of him just a couple weeks ago bartending, growing a beard and everything. And he's made up the, all the money that, that he needs. And he's still making six figures just as an advisor at OU. I don't think Bob has an itch to coach either. So, um, you know what's even funnier than that? They asked Sean McVay about the potential of him taking over for Cleveland. I thought that was pretty laughable. Yeah, I, I saw some odds from Odd Shark that had Lincoln Riley and Sean McVay as the favorites. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you you want to talk about some bad odds, some bets to completely avoid, like, just stay away. Um you know, unless you find some coach lower in those odds, you can make some money on. But those first ones, are like, where, where are you guys going with this? Um, I have no idea either. <laughs> but, I said the same. But Lincoln Riley, no, no chance he's going. Bob Stoops, uh, I, I just don't think that Bob will ever coach again. Nothing even against Cleveland. I just don't think that he has a desire to, to coach at a, at a high level again, Tom. No, definitely not. He's having way too much fun. He's already done what he needs to do. He, there's really nothing left to prove to anybody. Uh, and he's still making money from OU. I mean, why would you want to go there? Right. For Baker? No. I mean, Baker's cool, and they have probably a great relationship and everything, but no. No. Um, and why, why would you not want to? You know, just because. Why would you want to move back you know, to Ohio, too? You know, I mean, job. Oklahoma gets uh, exactly. Oklahoma gets bad rap at times, but, uh, I mean, that's a better situation, I think, to live in than Ohio. and. And you can go to Ohio anytime. He's still got his place in Chicago as well, Bob does. So, yeah, he, he doesn't need he doesn't I mean, need that job. No, exactly. And you can kind of look at it like this. If, if my friend is working a shitty job, I'm not going to go to that shitty job just so I can have the chance to work with him. I can still see him outside of his job, and it's not that big of a deal. We can still hang out. And I'm can, not just going to leave my normal job to go to some shitty job just so I can work with my friend. And, and you can still advise him and be there for him, um, but you don't have to be there to fix his problems. Exactly. And it's not even his problem. It's just, you know, the situation he's stuck in. It's kind of how the cookie crumbles. But, oh, like I said, you're not going to leave your job to go to somewhere else that's worse or somewhere that would be more stressful. Even if it is more money, you're not going to go to a workplace that is undesirable uh, for one, you know, when you're already got it good. I'll say this much. As much as we'd love to dog on the Browns, Tom, uh, I do believe this thing's going to turn around because they have the two guys in the right position. John Dorsey is a heck of a GM. He did a great job turning around the two-win Kansas City Chiefs into what they are now a playoff team every single year, and that was started because of John Dorsey and what he did to turn around KC. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, of course, is going to be an elite quarterback and uh, one of the best in the National Football League. The pieces are there. Um, they don't need to be trading off Baker for the good of the league, as you know, as Mike Greenberg would try to tell you, you know, that buffoon. Um, they, they don't need to make that happen. They have the right pieces in place, but it's just going to have to take time uh, for this to happen right, and and uh, with those two under the helm, I, I believe it's going to work out with uh, with Dorsey and Mayfield. Those those two pieces alone put you in good position for the foreseeable future. Yeah, for as bad of you for as long as they've been bad, you know it's got to turn around at some point. I think with Dorsey, uh, you know, there, I think I, I think it eventually will. But like you said, it's going to take some time, and it might not be next season or the season after. But you know, I, it, they're 
obviously they're already making some progress. They won a game, won a couple games. Yeah, so for sure. Something, something's right. Not so, maybe you, Jackson, or Haley, but, you know, something else is right. Certainly, certainly. Uh, coming up next, Danny Welniak joins us. We'll talk more about this game and uh, the Chiefs as well coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Jones Report. At the sound, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the program from KCTV 5 in Kansas City, the CBS affiliate, also the Chiefs Radio Network. It is uh, Danny Weldiak who joins us right now as uh, she's putting the hammer down to uh, join us right now. Danny, what's happening? Hey, you always got to put the hammer down. Keep it going, Tyler. I love that. No, it's it's going really good getting ready for this big matchup with Cleveland. And I know that there's been a lot of chaos up there, but I think that this is still going to be a pretty good game. <laughs> Should be fun. I, I love this quarterback matchup. Uh, the, I think this is the future of the league. Mayfield Mahomes both. Uh, this is uh, part one, really continuing from that great college game they had a couple of years ago. Uh, this won't be the last time these two, te- these two teams and these two quarterbacks meet uh, in, the, in the future by any means. No, absolutely not. I think that you're absolutely correct. I think that this is these two guys are the future of fantasy football, if you want to put it that way, uh, with the way that they're putting up numbers. I mean, you talk about that Big 12 matchup in 2016, and I think that a lot of Big 12 fans were looking forward to this week because, you know, OU edged it out. They won 66 to 59 and had more than 1,700 yards of total offense, which was a Division One record, and. I just think it it was so fun to watch that game. Patrick had 734 yards passing, which was a single-game FBS record. He had 100 plays on his own, which is crazy. We asked him about it earlier this week. He said, did, did Kingsbury, like, run out of plays for you guys? And he said, no, there's – Kingsbury always had something up his sleeve. So they didn't. they could never run out of plays, which I think is just kind of unfathomable if you really think about it. But um, we, we saw their – we saw a glimpse of their greatness in 2016, and now we're seeing them be pretty successful in the National Football League. I think that with everything that's going on in Cleveland, you just have to kind of take a step back. And I know that Patrick has because I've talked to him a little bit about it, but he is so grateful to be in the situation that he is here at Kansas City with a stable head coach, a stable offensive coordinator for now in, in a good way. I mean, the offensive coordinators under Andy Reid usually move on to head coaching jobs. They don't get fired. So he's, he's in a really good spot for development as a quarterback, whereas Baker Mayfield is now learning the ropes of Cleveland. And I thought it was so funny because one of the reporters asked him this week, so was this your welcome to Cleveland moment when you walked in uh, to the training facility and found out that your head coach and your offensive coordinator were fired? And he just kind of looked at the reporter and he's like, no, I just think it was kind of a uh, – a wake-up, welcome-to-the-NFL moment because a lot of coaches, you're going to go through a lot of coaches during your time in the NFL, but this is something that can either bring you together as a team or it's something that can cause a lot of controversy in the locker room. So he's going to have to learn how to be much more of a leader through all of this and bring his team together and rally around it. So these two guys, although they come from you know the Big 12 and they come from kind of similar, similar-ish systems, they're now learning how to be leaders in the NFL in very, very different ways. Certainly, for sure, uh, Danny. Uh, that's a, a great point. You know, I, I look back at that 2016 game, and I, I remember 
watching that thinking, man, these defenses are just terrible. Uh, I, I didn't even <laughs> think it was that fun to watch because I'm like, this is just such bad defense. This, this, is, this is almost boring now of how much. But then looking back at it now – and seeing just how good those quarterbacks were and how they've transitioned to the NFL, uh, I mean, may- maybe it wasn't so much the defense as it was these two guys. These are just two special talents, and we're seeing, uh, you know, possibly we're going to see the MVP and the Rookie of the Year on the same field uh, come Sunday. Yeah, and I thought a really good point that Patrick made this week was that just look back at the rosters for both of those teams and how much talent on the offensive side of the ball, was on both of those rosters. I mean, just Joe Mixon alone for OU had 31 carries and 263 rushing yards and two touchdowns. I mean, those rosters were loaded. And like you said, when you're watching the game, you're like, oh, my gosh, prototypical Big 12 defense is getting burned. But now that we can look back, it's you have to take into consideration all the talent that was on both of those teams at that time. How about the John Dorsey connection, too? The fact that Dorsey drafted both these guys, that's uh, that's wild. Uh, we always knew Dorsey had an eye for talent, and he did, had, did a good job putting this Chiefs roster together before uh, you know the way things didn't work out at the end there. But that's very interesting that, uh, that Dorsey had his eye on both these guys. Yeah, I love it. I think that Dorsey has a very good – a good team sense of what a good quarterback can be or – and I don't think he he didn't take he didn't take huge risks on these guys because you knew that they were going to be good from what you saw in college. I guess the biggest risk would be that they're coming out of the Big Twelve, and in in previous years, it's been kind of frowned upon that the Big Twelve was kind of a system a system conference, a system league, and like Texas Tech, you're a system quarterback. Or I mean, OU is thought of much more highly because of what um, Stoops was able to do there with his offenses. But I think that. Dorsey had a keen eye for that. And I also think that in Kansas City, a big part of that was Brett Veach because Brett Veach was the guy who went into Andy Reid and who went into John Dorsey with all of the stats and info and interviews and basically pushed uh, Patrick Mahomes on these guys and was telling them how great he is, how good he's going to be. So you got to give Veach a lot of credit for getting Mahomes in Kansas City. But it is just very interesting to see the John Dorsey connection, what he's able to do. And I just, I think he's a really good GM. I think he knows what he's doing when it comes to draft talent and when it comes to college talent. So you got that Dorsey connection, but he's, I mean, he's Tyler. He's not the only connection to Cleveland. There is so many connections. I mean, you've got Travis Kelsey, who's from there. Kareem Hunt, who went to high school at Willoughby South High School. And earlier this week, his mom actually helped him. He bought 110 tickets for students there at his alma mater and the high school football team so that they can go to the game, the Cleveland versus the Chiefs game. So I thought that was really, really cool. cool. And then on top of that, you've got four of the starting offensive linemen from last week all of ties to the Browns as well. So I, I just think that these guys are going to be playing with a little bit of a little bit of an extra passion because they're so excited to go back and kind of play their former team and play in their hometown. So there's a there's a lot of Chiefs and Cleveland connections this week. There is, there is. You, you mentioned like the the Big Twelve system quarterbacks. Danny's still waiting on an OSU quarterback to make it big in the NFL to be a consistent starter. Uh, that's hey, you know what? Rudolph Rudolph is back is backing up Ben Roethlisberger. So maybe maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers will have one in the future. Maybe so. Brandon Whedon didn't quite work out like uh, many had hoped. No. 
No. Yeah, he's he's been a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I, I like Brandon too. He's a good guy, but <laughs> that was uh, that was disappointing to see him that not work out like many thought it would. But uh, you know, this weekend for this Chiefs team, the position that they're in with this uh, this record, you know, only one loss, the number one seed in the AFC right now. Uh, I mean, this is this is some really good football the Chiefs are playing. And we had so much concerns going into 2018 about that defense. The defense has had some bad moments at times, but this offense has done so much and done enough to overcome the flaws of the defense. The defense has gotten better the last couple of weeks, too, that uh, this team looks much better off than I think most people anticipated at this point of the year, Danny. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you in the fact that they went into the year thinking that this is going to be a team that has to shoot it out with other teams, that you know your offense is going to have to score one more time than the other team. But I completely agree with you in the fact that this defense is quietly kind of coming on. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I mean, you're seeing injuries and the Chiefs defense is dealing with that. But you're also seeing a lot of these younger guys step up and really be contributing factors. I mean, we thought maybe at the beginning of the year you'd have one of the defensive rookies start or maybe two if you're lucky. We didn't see a whole lot of these guys being big uh, playmakers. But, I mean, look at last week where you had Freeland Speaks who started and Dorian O'Daniel who was a tackling machine. He, he was doing a really good job uh, out there making sure that he wrapped up and stayed gap sound. And then um, – you have Derek Nottie, who also did a really good job at nose. So you've got three of these guys from the rookie class that are really stepping up on defense. And, I mean, Kendall Fuller has been really good all season. He's had, he's had some, some flashes that are better than others here and there. But, I mean, he got the interception. And D Ford, man, he looks like a guy with his hair on fire right now, playing in a contract year with the three sacks last week. He we asked him this week, what is different? You know, why are you playing at such a high level? And, of course, he's not going to tell you that it's because it's a contract year and he's playing for money. But um, he says that actually the specialization of their linebackers coaches, because at the beginning of the year they split up the offensive and – or they split up the outside and inside linebacker coaches. So they have separate coaches for those positions. And Mike Smith is working with the outside linebackers. And he said actually having that one-on-one coaching – being able to just work on specific techniques and my feet and not just relying on my athleticism and working on more hand things has actually improved my game so much that now I can go through all these little things in practice and not have to worry about them during the game. And so I'm just playing very freely and I'm playing healthy. So I think that's a lot of different things to take into consideration when you're looking at this defense. And they forced at least one turnover in each of the last four weeks. So they've got nine total turnovers in the last four weeks. So they're finally, they're finally living up to the bend-don't-break philosophy, and they're giving up a lot of yards, yes, but they're also creating turnovers. And that's what these Bob Sutton defenses are designed to do. Right. It's it's uh you the bend but don't break exactly like you said there that uh you you have to you're taking risk involved here and and I think that uh you know based on what we've seen with the way that this defense works uh when they're playing a lesser quarterback a Blake Bortles and Andy Dalton of some sorts uh it's it, it's great because you're going to force a lot of turnovers mistakes get pressure on the quarterback but uh when you play these elite quarterbacks the Tom Brady's of the world and such that's when this uh, defense tends to struggle not just because they're facing a good quarterback but you know they know how to read those defenses better uh and go up against this uh so that's what we've seen so far this year that defensive ranking yep. now 
Here, here's one thing, Danny. Uh, you know, looking at these defensive rankings in the past, the uh, the last team to have a, uh, a a defense win the Super Bowl, that a team win the Super Bowl that was uh, you know, the lowest ranking I saw was the New Orleans Saints when they won it. They were the 15th ranked defense in the league. Chiefs right now are at 31. That doesn't look great uh, as far as what history says. But also when you factor in this year that defenses around the league is down, then uh, maybe things uh, could there's a, there's a medium a, a middle ground you can find there. Right. Well, and then I guess to play devil's advocate, the last three teams in the uh, over the last I can't remember what the timeline is, but the last three teams to average more than or equal to the amount of points that the Chiefs are averaging right now. I think it's like it's 38-some points. But um, the last three teams to do that actually made it to the Super Bowl. So I think that's kind of the flip side of this is that you've got such a prolific high-scoring offense that they're hoping and believing that because they're doing what they're doing and putting up such high numbers that they're, that's what's going to carry them to the big game. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, you you mentioned that offense, what they're doing. Uh, one, one of the things I love from seeing Mahomes week to week, Danny, is how well he's doing a job of getting everybody involved. As much as I liked Alex Smith, there were times where he forgot about certain guys in the field. Uh, I mean, there was that whole season where he didn't throw a touchdown pass to a, any wide receiver at all. Now, uh, you know, one week it's Sammy Watkins, another week it's Tyreek Hill, another week it's you know Kelsey or Hunt or whatever. Uh, this offense has uh, been used tremendously the job that Mahomes is doing and getting everybody involved. I mean, he looks like a point guard back there of uh, you know finding everyone open, getting everybody good shots. He does. He does. And there are, so there are nine different players that have touchdown receptions. And I think the funnest thing is that there are only three skill position players left who don't have a receiving touchdown yet. And that's Spencer Ware, Marcus Kemp, and Damian Williams. So he's probably looking for his opportunity to get those guys involved. But the fact that he's able to spread that ball around, I mean, we talk about it every single week and we ask him every single week, you know, like, how are you doing this? What are you doing? And he's just, he talks about his vision. That's what's so special about this guy is that he has such good downfield vision that he's going to find you no matter who you are. And he is either going to a throw you open or he's going to make sure that he puts it on a dime and you are able to make a play with whatever he tosses your way. So I just think that it's a very, very special trait to have. And like I said, for only three position players on the roster still to be without a receiving touchdown, that's crazy to think about. Oh, it is. It is. And and making the big plays he has himself. I mean, he, he's the Steph Curry of the, the NFL, it seems like, uh, basically, with what he's been able to do. That's uh, been fun to watch. Uh, this game against Cleveland, you mentioned all that they're going through. I mean, this has been a wild week for that, uh, that Cleveland team, uh, the Chiefs. Uh, on the other end, I, I imagine that they're not going to let that affect them in any way, that the that it doesn't matter to them who's going to be coaching on that side. The, the players are still the same. The personnel is still the same there no matter what, and they're still going to do similar things to what they did no matter who was the head coach of this Browns team. Yeah, and that's what we asked just about everyone this week was, you know, how do you change up your preparation? And D, D Ford actually said, we don't change anything because it's kind of 
we're coming in kind of on the lucky end of this and that it's the first week that these changes are happening. So they don't have enough time to change their vocabulary, change their plays, change their schemes. So they're just going to have to go with what they already know. And Greg Williams is just going to have to call um, kind of whatever Baker Mayfield is most comfortable with, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But obviously your defense doesn't change up because he's still there. Um, And I, I just think that even though there's chaos up there, it's, they're, what they want to do is they want to find a way to rally around it and to bring their team closer together around this adversity. And like I mentioned earlier, it's going to show a lot of Baker Mayfield's true colors and his leadership ability. But I also think from the Chiefs' perspective, I thought it was really funny this week because every week Andy Reid starts out his press conferences by saying, you know, they're a really good team. We're looking forward to the challenge. They're a well-coached team, yada, yada, yada. He gives you basically his four points that are the exact same every week. But this week, he started off his press conference by saying, you know, they got a, real, a lot of really good players, they've got good personnel, and they're coached. That's it. He just said they're coached. He didn't say they're well coached because of everything that's going on. So I don't think the Chiefs are overlooking this game by any means, but I do think that they have a significant advantage with everything that's going on up there. Yeah, they do. They do. Danny Welnack joining us here uh, on the uh, Jones Report right now as uh, we continue uh, talking uh, Chiefs football. Uh, where they line up right now with uh, with that seeding and with that record, uh, I mean, a- everything I've seen, Danny, uh, there's no reason to think that this isn't going to last. Uh, we've seen this the last couple of years where they hit a wall at some point in, this, in, you know, in the regular season or even in that uh, first week of the playoffs. So far, what we've seen and with things getting better to come, with uh, you know Justin Houston on his way back, with Eric Berry on his way back, um, may- maybe I'm being overly optimistic. I don't know. You tell me. But I, I feel like that uh, we haven't even reached the ceiling yet with this Chiefs team, that there's still better football to come. And, and they're playing great football right now, that there's uh, the, the grass is still going to be greener uh, as this season moves along. Well, I definitely think that from the defensive perspective, like you mentioned, you're going to have Houston back at some point. You're going to have Barry back at some point. At least that's what they're telling us. And then you're going to have Daniel Sorensen back as well. He's been back at practices, um, but they're still trying to feel him out before they actually put him on the active roster. And then you've got kind of a shakeup at the, around the offensive line, especially in that interior with um, some not necessarily makeshift guys because they're in there and they're doing a great job. They're stepping in and stepping up with guys that have been guys that are injured. So, um, and Mitch Morrissey's going through concussion protocol right now. So he probably won't be playing this weekend, but um, you've got Austin Ryder in there at center who has, who's was a third string center. So they're still winning, even though they're dealing with injuries and adversity. And I can't tell you, Tyler, how many national network guys that we've spoken with that talk about how we are just seeing the start of what Patrick Mahomes is able to do. He's so young. He's got so much room to develop. And right now he's just, he's basically playing with a a very calm and confident demeanor. And his downfield vision is so impressive. And defenses have now had time to kind of scheme for him. They know what he's going to throw at them, but he still throws something different at them every single week and still throw these, throws these defenses for a little bit of a loop. So he's learning to read defenses better. And this is just a start for him. So I think, on both sides of the ball, I completely agree with you. I think that there's nowhere but up for this team. And if we're both eternal optimists, then okay, prove us wrong. I'd rather be the optimist than be uh, negative about it. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure, Danny. Uh, and and Danny is is positive about ninety nine percent of the time. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But I I agree with you. I think that there's a, a lot to be uh, excited about for this uh, Chiefs team uh, in the coming weeks. I'm really anxious to see this Monday night game in uh, Mexico City uh, against the Rams too. Uh, that's going to be really fun to watch here uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, Danny, will you be uh, visiting the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this weekend? I actually have already visited the Rock and Roll really? Hall of Fame, so I will not be going there. And I have also visited the uh, NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, which is a little bit of a trek from Cleveland. So the two big things that are on my bucket list, I've already checked those off. So I think it's going to be a nice, tame <laughs> work weekend in Cleveland. Oh, so, so you have basically seen all there is to see of Ohio. I mean, let's be honest. Is there anything else? Right. Uh, you, you checked them <laughs> off. Yeah, you, you got that done. Uh, w- speaking of which, uh, checking back on things, uh, did did you get any clam chowder in New England like we like we told you to do? Yeah, that was uh, your I assignment. Did. And I did. How was it? Yeah, just because you asked me to, and it was absolutely delicious. I actually had room service clam chowder because they had that option available. Ooh. And it was stellar. So I appreciate you making sure that I, I went through on that. Okay. Okay. Good, good. Good to hear. That's uh, that's great to hear. Glad uh, <laughs> glad you could fulfill uh, the assignment. And, and room service, uh, I mean, that, that seems like something you would pull off, that, that you would call for room service. I can, I, I'm not shocked by any means. <laughs> uh, but glad to see that it worked out the way it did. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, Danny, uh, this, this is such a exciting and crazy time of the year for – for us between you know we're, we're getting in the thick of things with football season basketball is starting up you know of course KU just had their ex- final exhibition last night um it's about to get crazy here and uh between what we're going to see with KU and K-State basketball as well as what the Chiefs are doing here uh I mean it's going to be a fun next uh few months uh, buckle up and, and enjoy things uh, for a bit yeah, it's going to be a blast, and the fact that KU is ranked number one going into the regular season is just more reason to be excited. I know that <laughs> I've talked to a couple KU fans, and they're like, whenever we're ranked this high, it just seems like we don't do very well in March Madness and when the NCAA tournament comes along, so there's already a little bit of uh, nervousness among the KU fan base, and I think that that's, it's really funny because it, you just got to enjoy the moment, and they're coming off a Final Four run with a team they never thought would be there. And this team in 2018-2019 is so stacked. And I, we've seen flashes in the exhibition games, but again, they're just exhibition games. So I think this matchup with Michigan State is going to tell a lot. But again, it's just the first game of the regular season. They have a very long season ahead of them. So uh, I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these Jayhawks and I cannot wait, Tyler. I know that Jayhawks fans may not like me for this comment, but I cannot wait for those Sunflower Showdown games. They are going to be so much fun. Oh, yeah. I, I've said this from uh, from the start of this offseason that don't rule out the possibility that K-State could win one or two of these games. Uh, nothing against yeah. KU, but, I mean, K-State is a very good team. They, they can beat KU on any given night. So uh, I, I think we're in for a, a next, you know, really good several months and excited to see how it all unfolds here. Danny, enjoy Cleveland, and uh, we'll talk to you and catch up again here in a couple of weeks. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Tyler, thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast and always a blessing. And, uh, Keep up the good work. You do an amazing job. Appreciate it. Now, now I'm just waiting for my call on Sports Central still. 
<laughs> you know what? When we bring Sports Central back, we will definitely call you. Okay. Now we have it on record. Uh, I'll go back to the <laughs> okay. stuff. I'll pull it up. All right. Thanks for the time, Danny. Thanks, Tyler. Bye. Big thanks to Danny Welniak for joining us here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Burst is back here with you now. Before we get out of here today, time for our uh, picks as well as our uh, Tom Fullery story of the day as well. Let's go ahead and uh, start with our college football picks this week. Tom, first and foremost, this is a really good slate of games uh, on the college football side. We, we, we didn't really have to decide on what games to put on the slate. The, the games like, pretty much you know, decided themselves. Yeah, no joke. This is, might be one of the best weeks uh, for, uh, you know, a spread a spread league or like a spread pick them. Uh, this might be one of the best weeks that we've had thus far. And, one uh, of the toughest, too. Oh, for sure one of the toughest because the lines are, uh, they seem a little bit bigger this week. Yeah, uh, and which makes things always interesting when you're dealing with that end of things. Let's start out with the big one, Alabama and LSU. Tom, this has been the marquee game of the college football season, uh, dating back to at least 2011 when these teams met as the number one and number two team and then went on to rematch in the national championship game. I know that's still a soft spot for some Oklahoma State fans out there uh, that when those two teams met up. Uh, but, man, we've had some really uh, big games between these two over the years, but Alabama has really had their way with LSU. But this one at LSU, LSU has more top 25 wins than anybody in college football this year. Um, you know, they're they're ranked, you know, number three in the country. All that being said, Alabama is still a 14-point favorite on the road. Yeah, I'm surprised it's that high going into Death Valley. Uh, I, you know, it's kind of incredible what they've been able to just continually achieve. Um, and LSU's had their ups and downs this year. Um and it is hard to play in Baton Rouge, but I, I can't pick against Nick Saban. It's a little bit like Tom Brady. I, I can't do it. I, even if the spread is, I, I, you know, if the spread was a little bit higher, if it was higher than 14, I think I would take LSU. But being right at 14, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Alabama. I can't pick against them, not at least until they at least lose one. I think LSU is a good team, and I think they'll compete in this game, Tom. But I still think Bama covers. I think that no, I think, so. I think LSU could keep this relatively close. We could be talking about a seven-point game or even less heading into the fourth quarter. But two and company is going to take care of business. Uh, this is this is the team. This is a special team because think about this with Alabama, Tom. Real quick, is that Alabama has been so good with average to above-average quarterbacks for the entire tenure of Nick Saban. This year, they have a superstar quarterback, maybe the best player in college football. He's the Heisman favorite. Um, it's almost not even fair. That was the big equalizer with Alabama was that they always had just you know an average quarterback. That's not even the case this year. Um, I expect them to, to win this game. I think they can win by 14 or more and, and still make LSU look like a decent football team. But uh, Alabama's just too good right now compared to everybody else. Yeah, they are, and, and we might be, we might be eating crow. I mean, I could see LSU pulling this upset. I don't think they will. It would not shock me. It wouldn't shock me. 
Um, and it wouldn't shock me if Alabama doesn't cover, but I've seen too much this season to even think about betting against them. Georgia and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky's had an awesome year. Uh, Mark Stoops is, uh, of course, doing a great job with that team. They've only lost one game this year. They're in the top ten of the college football playoff poll. Georgia uh, favored at nine and a half on the road. Georgia, of course, lost to LSU just a couple weeks ago. I'm not fully sold on Kentucky. They should have lost to Missouri last week. This is a, a historic year for that squad. Kind of reminds me of that KU team in 08 that really had no business being a top 10 team. Uh, you know, a basketball school and everything, but still found a way. That's what this reminds me of. Uh, but I, I think Georgia kind of humbles Kentucky a bit. This game's going to be huge for the SEC East. Uh, but give me the dogs to cover nine and a half. I, I think this is another one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think Georgia is going to do enough just to win and just to cover in this one on the road. Yeah, and, and no disrespect to Kentucky because for Kentucky, they've had a pretty good year. Uh, actually, a really great year. And I don't think a whole lot of people expected this out of them. Uh, but this is Georgia we're talking about. And while they did lose to LSU, uh, I still think they're going to take care of business. If Kentucky, you know, had their way with Mizzou and about, you know, didn't I mean, I don't – there was kind of some controversy about that last catch or that Kentucky should have lost that game. Uh, I think if they would outright won, the line might have been a little bit smaller. Uh, but even at 9.5, I still got to take Georgia. West Virginia and Texas, huge game in the Big 12 Conference, and it's a playoff elimination game right here. Texas is, is pretty much eliminated, but West Virginia, if they lose, then they're done as well, and this seals their fate. Texas is definitely done if they lose this. Texas is a two-point favorite at home. This has been a really good year for Texas, a nice bounce-back year. I don't think they're quite back, per se, but they're on the right track. But I've said from the get-go, I, I like this West Virginia team better than Texas. Um, I'll say this, Tom. We are in November, and if there is a time for West Virginia to crumble, it's right now because we've seen it over and over again. Uh, I, I'm taking West Virginia to cover, but I almost want to take Texas because it's November. But at the same time, it's Texas who we can't rely on either. These are like the two most unreliable teams you can think of in the Big 12 when you talk about this time of year, the uh, the last uh, several years. Yeah, it seems to be that way. So, in, in, you know, West Virginia crumbling in November, that's a reason that I'm going to go ahead and take Texas. Another reason is they are playing in Austin. If this is in Morgantown, I'm taking West Virginia, no ifs, ands, or buts, because um, that's always a really tough place to play. So I think Texas bounces back uh, from, you know, this that last week against Gundy and crew. So I'll take Texas here. I'm kind of iffy, but I, you know, like I said, if it was in Morgantown, I'd take West Virginia. Uh, since it's the line is what it is uh, and it's in Austin, I'll, I'll take the Longhorns. And I'll, I'll say this to Texas's credit. No no disrespect to uh, Oklahoma State, Tom, but Sam Ellinger was not 100% last week, and they still almost won that game. If he's 100%, I think Texas would have won last week, and he's going to be much closer to it this week. Um, I think that uh, you know Texas is going to put a, a much better showing out there than they did against Oklahoma State. That team got off to just such a slow start last week that they almost had no chance 
uh, with how slow they started. I think they'll come out better against uh, West Virginia this week. We'll see what happens. Uh, but Texas. you still think West Virginia's going to win. I know. I'm, I, I almost am talking myself into Texas, but I'm still going to take It West. sounds like it. I know, but I'm still going to take West Virginia. Uh, Will Greer and company, that offense, I think, is going to be too much. Uh, but West Virginia, two-point uh, underdog, and uh, Texas favored by two. All right. Penn State at Michigan. Uh, the Wolverines, 10-point favorite in uh, this one, Tom. And uh, Harbaugh and company, really nice year this year. Uh, they, they lost week one to Notre Dame, but ever since then, they've been playing really good. Penn State has been a huge disappointment this year. Michigan's a 10-point favorite. I like uh, the Wolverines to cover, and it's crazy that we're talking about uh, Michigan being a realistic threat to make this college football playoff. About time that a Harbaugh and company put out a, a decent team out there. I guess so. When we talk about that, and we talk about how well they're doing, is this the, is this the week they choke? Right. Is, there, are they, is the Kagi going to burn us again? They might. You know, with that said, I'll still take Michigan. Uh, it is 10 points. I, I do think it's going to be a close game. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Michigan's going to cover. But it's – Michigan, I'm always hesitant, always, to pick them just because they always choke on me. Man, it's been so consistent with them. With with Penn State, I think their biggest flaw, what, what happened was that Trace McSorley ended up being who I thought he was. A lot of people, I, I remember some folks thought that he was going to be the next Baker Mayfield of sorts. There was no way that was happening. Trace McSorley was a very overrated quarterback, and he ended up getting exposed. And that offense isn't what it was made out to be, and that's why they're not – this team that a lot of people thought Penn State was going to be, that uh, you know, Trace McSorley just not as good as what was advertised going into this year. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas Tech, we talked about this uh, towards the top of the show. OU's a 12-point favorite on the road at Tech. This is a popular pick going with Texas Tech, and they've had their way with OU in some of these games over the years. Uh, heck, a five-win Tommy Tuberville team won in Norman against OU. Uh, back in uh, 2011. Uh, they've had their moments against the Sooners, uh, but I think OU's a different team since that Texas loss. Um, Ruffin McNeil and company did a really good job with that defense last week. Back-to-back games, Tom, where the Sooners have not given up 250 yard, total yards of, deep, of offense uh, since Ruffin McNeil took over. I think that continues. The Sooners get a win. Uh, they handle Texas Tech. I think that they can win this one by 14 or more uh, on the road against the Red Raiders. And I think so, too. And I, I will say, though, I do think it's, a, in, a, in a way, a bit of a trap game uh, for OU. I, I think they need to come out hot and come out ready and, and not. And I don't think they will. I don't think they're going to underestimate this Texas Tech team. But I think it's important that they make sure that they don't underestimate them. Um, so, I, like you said, I think they can win by 14 or more as well. But, uh, you know, with the year Tech's having, they're kind of the – they feel like the – they feel Iowa State-ish. So, and it is in Lubbock. So, yes. I still think OU's going to, you know, easily win this game. I wouldn't say maybe easily, but I could see a 21-point victory. But, uh, oof. It's a, it's a weird year in the Big 12. It's, a, it's definitely hard to pick. Yeah, it is. And I'll add one more point to this. This is, uh, I think, this is an interesting element is that OU has not played 
very many night games this year. They played uh, Army in a, in a night game. That was on pay-per-view, but uh, a lot of the nation has kind of heard about Kyler Murray but hasn't seen him yet. Um, I think that this could be a big coming-out party for the rest of the country to see what Kyler is doing each and every week on a primetime stage on Saturday Night Football on ABC. This is a great opportunity for him to do so and possibly have that Heisman moment of sorts uh, as they go up against Tech. Let's uh, talk NFL now. Let's go through our NFL games. Packers at the Patriots. Tom, the Packers were an underdog last week, and they found a way to cover against the Rams uh, thanks to Todd Gurley. Um, New England, on the other end, they're a a six-point favorite against the uh, Packers this week. Uh, Patriots are at home, Tom. It's... uh, the Packers, that's a hard team to bet against as an underdog, especially when they've they're been given this many points as an underdog again, six. I think everybody's taking New England to win this game, but there will be some folks that like the bet of Green Bay in this case. I don't think anybody's picking Green Bay to win this game straight up, but I'll go with New England to win and to cover, but I'm not feeling very confident in that because Rodgers and company could find a way to keep this one closer. Yeah, neither am I. I mean, it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, win or lose, as far as the spread goes, it's hard to bet against him. But uh, if this one was in Lambeau, then I would feel a little bit more inclined to take Green Bay. But it is in Foxborough. And you know what I already said about Tom Brady. Can't can't bet against him. And when I do, I get burned. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, Rams taking on the Saints. Uh, two great games, back-to-back days in the state of Louisiana with uh, Alabama at LSU and Baton Rouge and uh, the Rams and the Saints in New Orleans the following day. New Orleans is a uh, one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, they uh, just made a move, snagged up Eli Apple this week with the uh, trade deadline. The Rams are undefeated, coming off a win against the Packers. Tom, uh, I know you're going to pick your Rams, but I-, I think that New Orleans is playing some really good football I'm not necessarily picking against the Rams here. I'm picking New Orleans being the home team and what they're doing right now. Uh, it's not a knock on Los Angeles at all, but I really like this the Saints team. It, it, it is That's a tough pick to pick against Breeze at home considering how well New Orleans is playing right now. Yeah, it is a tough pick. And, and honestly, I'm gonna, you already know, I'm going to go ahead and take my Rams. Um, but... This very well could be, and this might be the first one that I feel confident in saying that this might be the Rams' first loss. Um, the way the New Orleans is playing right now, it's you know they've added Eli Apple. Uh, it's going to be a big if still if Cooper Cup for the Rams come back. I mean they're going to need all the help they can get there. They do have Dante Fowler Jr. coming in. Uh, the Rams just got him from the Jags. I don't know how much if at all he'll make an impact. Uh, this week against the Saints, but I, I mean it can't hurt. But like I said, this is a tough game for me to pick. I'm going to keep rolling with the Rams, but uh, I said it before. I, I think this could be the Rams' first loss. Steelers and the Ravens. The Ravens are a three-point favorite. Uh, I got to go Baltimore. The Steelers are just not the same team they are on the road as they are at home. Uh, I mean, if this game were in Pittsburgh, I would take the Steelers, but. I know the Steelers are playing some better football as of late. Uh, Statistically, they are a better team with James Conner at running back compared to Le'Veon Bell. I think that's great. Uh, So, you know, suck that, Le'Veon. 
Um, you know that this whole this whole holdout has really just uh, you know turned against Le'Veon and uh, you know worked out uh, you know badly for him. Uh, he should come back immediately because this is looking uh, terrible for him. Uh, but Pittsburgh, um, you know they're, they're they're better than what they were. Uh, they're a better team, but uh, I can't pick against the number one defense in the National Football League at home. Uh, I got to go with uh, Baltimore to cover that three-point margin, Tom. You know what? I'm going to go and pick your Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not a believer in the Ravens right now. Wasn't last week, and they proved me right again. Uh, Cam Newton had his way with that number one defense. Um, so I'm going to keep it rolling. I, I like Pittsburgh in this. I mean, it's a the Ravens-Pittsburgh game is one of the, you know, they say Dallas and the Redskins or – you know, different rivalries and things like that. I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore is one of the best rivalries in all of sports. Oh, um, absolutely. I think it's going to, I mean, they, it's nasty every time they play. They hate each other. It's not, uh, everybody knows that. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pick, go ahead and pick, pick, pick Pittsburgh uh, in this one. So I, I like what, kind of what they're doing right now. Chiefs and Browns. Chiefs, eight and a half point favorite. We broke this game down. At the top of the show, uh, as much as I love Baker Mayfield and the, what he's doing in Cleveland, uh, Chiefs are going to be too much, uh, and the Chiefs are just rolling right now. You know, best record in the AFC on their way to uh, you know being the number one seed in the AFC. I think the target for this Chiefs team is to win 13 games. That's the magic number I have for this team: is get to 13 wins. And you're going to be in good shape whether you're the one or the two. You're going to be the one or the two seed, either one, if you get the 13 wins, Mark. I think this gets them win number eight and well on their way to getting at least 13. There's a chance they could even be 15-1. and one. Uh, But I like the Chiefs to win and cover eight, at eight and a half. Just too much for Cleveland. Yeah, I can't see Cleveland uh, even, you know, covering the spread here. I like what the Chiefs are doing, and, and you can't knock them uh, with the way they've been playing. I know they kind of struggled against the Broncos. That's a division uh, division opponent. They always are going to play up, and those games are always going to be somewhat close. Uh, but Kansas City doesn't play in the same division as Cleveland, and Cleveland's, you know, coming off firing their head coach and their offense coordinator. So maybe things get shaken up a bit in the first week for Cleveland if you can shake up things any more than they already are. Uh, i got to take Kansas City as well. Chargers and Seahawks. Uh, Tom, if you remember at the top of the season, a lot of folks said the Seahawks were going to be one of the worst, if not the worst team in the National Football League. But Russell Wilson has carried that team on his back, and they're not as bad as, not even close to as bad as what people thought they were going to be. They're still not necessarily a good team per se, but uh, they're doing much better than what most everybody anticipated this year. The Chargers, one of the best teams in the AFC. Uh, you know they're a two-point underdog in Seattle. I got to go with the Chargers. I think that they're a much better, well-rounded football team than Seattle is. Uh, you know Russell's playing out of his mind, but doesn't have much help. I think the Chargers get the win here. But much respect to what Russell Wilson is doing, uh, considering that he has literally nothing to work with in Seattle. Yeah, and, and I honestly could see this game going either way just because it is in Seattle. I like what the Chargers are doing. The Seahawks have been playing better ball than when they first started out. It should be because of Russell Wilson. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers here too, but honestly I could see this 
I could really do see it could go either way. I think, I think honestly, with the way Seahawks are playing right now, if they can keep it up, uh, I think they'll be one dangerous wild card. Uh, and that goes for the Chargers as well. They're, they're going to be one of those wild card teams ever. Certainly, certainly. Uh, our pick standings real quick. Uh, Billy's in the lead at 58 and 32. You're behind him at 56 and 34. Uh, Derek's at 48 and 42. Nolan's at 44 and 46. And uh, yours truly is at 42 and 48. So got some work to do. Uh, long ways to go. We're, we're doing this all the way through the Super Bowl this year. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, going forward. All right, before we get out of here today, Tom, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. And uh, we, we got a problem involving uh, some alcohol. And uh, mm-hmm. I believe that we had this issue arise at the Olympics. And now this issue has arisen once again. Yeah, and, and it seems to arise every now and then. And it always ends up for whatever Well, actually not for whatever reason. This is a good, you know, I'm not surprised at this at all. But this comes out, this story is going to come out of Iceland Um I'm trying to think. We haven't. Where'd we go last week? I feel like this is maybe the second straight week we've been out of the country. I couldn't tell you where we went last week. Uh, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, this is uh, this is a little out there, a little different uh, going to Iceland. It is, yeah. And it's it's in Iceland. This story comes. Did you from ever want to go to time. Iceland? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I've heard it's awesome there. Uh, but if they if they ran out of beer like they did in this story, then I might have second thoughts. Um, so this story comes from MilitaryTimes.com. It uh, posted five days ago. Iceland's bars ran out of beer trying to serve drunk U.S. sailors and Marines. Um, I'm not going to even try to pronounce some of these names here, so I'm just going to let your imagination run wild. Article starts off with founding father and principal author of the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson once quipped, beer, if drunk in moderation, softens the temper, cheers the spirit, and promotes health. The military never got that memo. A national crisis hit Iceland this week when a force of 7,000 American sailors and Marines who know nothing about the third president's propensity for alcoholic self-restraint invaded the country's capital of Reykjavik. That's what it's going to be called. I couldn't, I probably butchered it, but flexed an unquenchable thirst for frosty suds and swiftly drained much of the city's beer supply. Upon arrival, sailors and Marines taking part in NATO's tried and juncture exercise wasted no time in getting wasted, Iceland Magazine reported, with most making a beeline straight from the ship to the closest bar to locate, close with, and destroy beers. Bar owners tried to accommodate the onslaught of American patrons, but they were fighting an overwhelming force, said blogger some other crazy Icelandic name. Uh, give me your tired, your thirsty, your huddled masses yearning to drink beer. Wave after wave of dehydrated sailors and Marines strolled into town, filling local establishments for four days straight in search of that old familiar embrace of sweet inebriation. Uh, one restaurant uh, was the first to run out of beer. It said <laughs> the name here. I couldn't even pronounce it or want to. It said there's a little subtitle there. It said good luck pronouncing that. It was one of the first to run out of beer. Bar owners tried borrowing from other businesses that were better stocked, but Americans were too many. Uh, Jones, the article keeps going on with basically the same thing. Uh, Pretty much ran out of beer and couldn't, you know, satisfy America. That's like a, that's like the hug of death that some websites give other websites that, you know, someone said, hey, check out this website and they get the hug of death. 
the military, U.S. military gave Iceland's bars the hug of death. I mean, I'm sure they appreciated all that money coming in, but at the same time, they drank them dry. Man, that's almost a nightmare for those places to deal with. Like, because you got to think, um, not all, you have to stock that up completely again uh, to find all that alcohol elsewhere and tell your distributor, yeah, I'm completely out and I need this Ace app. Uh, hook me up. I mean, that is. Uh, I mean, I, I can't blame the military. They they got to get theirs. You know, you you got to drink what you can get, um, even if it's the Almo beer or something. You got to drink whatever it is uh, in front of you. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a, that's a rough situation to be dealt. Yeah, I mean that. I mean for the military, that's pretty cool. We drink Iceland dry. I mean that's a pretty cool thing to say. But for the owners, I'm sure they're like, golly, if we had more beer, think of all the you know, think of the money we could be making. Um, maybe next time that the military strolls into town for whatever, maybe they'll be uh, better prepared. I, I'd hope. You would think, man. Uh, a, I wonder if there's a Guinness World Record of like however much beer between seven thousand military members have been drank, and then how and and how fast. I mean, Iceland obviously they don't really have uh, you know a way. There's not other states around them. It's just one main place, one main. I guess you would call it an island, kind of. Um, I would guess beer's not very cheap up there compared to like it is here. I mean, beer's expensive as is, but I mean, that's like not an easy place for it to transport. Yeah, if it's not made locally, anything that's imported is going to be, you know, probably cost you an arm and a leg and still didn't matter. Did not matter. I'm sure they probably had, you know, some decent deals, but uh, to drink them completely dry, that's, uh, that's saying something. Man. That, that's brutal. That's uh, that's like when uh, McDonald's, the ice cream machine's broken, but this is, like, much worse. Oh, yeah, much, much worse. I mean, even if the ice cream machine was broken, you still, you can't. I mean, I'm sure the ice cream machine was broken. You can't even go have a beer about it because you already drink them dry. That's, uh, that's something else. Man, what would you do if, uh, if you were put in a situation like these guys were of just completely out of alcohol? I mean, what do you do? There's nothing you can do. I mean, you have to accept your fate and move on. Do, do now, you, could you imagine if you bought a bunch of beer, like from a gas station or something, and you could just ration it out? The demand would be so high, you could make so much money. I, I think about those, uh, you know, like the tribulation movies or whatever that people put out there of, you know, oh, they're rationing their food, or, you know, the end times or whatever. Um, that would be it. it and maybe I'm going to go to hell for this, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. If I were in that situation, I, I would be going for the beer. I'd be stock, stocking up on the alcohol uh, if, if it came to a point of, like, the end of the world and I needed, uh, you know, ration things to survive. That's what I'm going for. Oh, because then you could hold it up and then you could trade it out for whatever else you need. It would be literally... Oh, it would be so currency. valuable. It would be the new currency. People would come up to you and be like, I just want a beer. And I'm like, okay, well... Give me, uh, give me a bunch of steak or something, you know. I mean, that or you would get robbed really quick. Give me a bunch of steak uh, for my bush light or for my bush uh, latte. <laughs> That's disgusting. I'm sure even that that would be appreciated. Even the the worst of the beers would be uh, highly valued. Could you imagine getting like 
trading out a bush latte for steak like that would be the uh that would be comparable i think to uh the herschel walker trade the cowboys pulled off uh when when they got that done yeah that would be very similar i mean even a bush latte would go for eight or nine dollars a can could you imagine how much money you could make oh my gosh yeah i think this is probably the first time in the history of 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 podcasting and uh, sports talk that uh, that Herschel Walker's been compared to Bush Latte. Oh my gosh, you're probably right. Somewhere down the line, if there's another comparison, I'd be very impressed. Well, I would not be because uh, they would have stolen <laughs> it from us because we're very original thinkers around here. There you seems that way. <laughs> yes, certainly, certainly. All right, let's get out of here. Big thanks to uh, Danny Welnack for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore Bridges at TJ Media Group. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live and at Tyler Jones Media Group. Uh, subscribe to the show on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and we got a new one, Tom. Spotify. That's correct. Spotify. Subscribe to the show there. Leave us a five star review. And uh, if you don't want to leave us a five star review, or you got negative comments, email me. Don't put it in the review. Just email me at tylerjonesradio at gmail.com, and I'll gladly respond to you with your questions, comments, or concerns, or on the Twitter machine as well. Uh, we'll see you next week. we got an exciting guest. I don't know if we can quite say yet, um, but when we can, we'll tell you. And uh, we'll see you right back here on the Jones Report next week. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. We'll see you next week. Have a great, uh, great day, everybody. Jones report. F- yeah.